This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Like the kōkako, the saddleback, or tieke, belongs to the New Zealand wattlebird family. A family to which the huia belonged and which has been established in this country since ancient times, much longer than most of our other birds. The saddleback takes its name from the bright reddish saddle on its back, which according to legend is the mark of Maui's hand. Sadly, this attractive bird has disappeared from the main islands and exists only on a few offshore islands, carefully chosen locations for resettlement away from predators, which appears to have saved the tieke from total extinction. Community or chaos, we can construct and nurture community or fall into chaos. Over the next hour, Marvin Hubbard hosts conversations toward creating a fairer, more equal society. Community or Chaos is made possible with the support of Quakers Aotearoa. You'll find them online at quaker.org.nz. Well, friends, today we have our guest, Dad Das Kamana, who is a Roman Catholic priest from Rwanda, Africa, and is a PhD student in the Peace and Conflict Studies. We'll be talking about hope in a time of crisis. You can podcast this by going to oar.org.nz and then going to podcast and then going to Community or Chaos. Welcome to Community or Chaos, Dades. Oh, what led you to become a Catholic priest? The God's core. And uh, God is the core each and everyone. And uh, when I was growing up as a little boy, I grew up with the Christian family, Catholic family, with going to church with my dad and mom, and I learned the whole Catholic faith. And then when I I decided to go to high school, I was allowed by my parish priest to to pass exam for minor seminary or high school seminary. And then I went to high school seminary or minor seminary, and I did Latin and science. But before I started all my studies, my intention was to become a priest. And with the years in the minor seminary, I discerned if God is really calling me to become a priest. And I prayed about it, and I had my spiritual director who was always accompanying me, helping me to reflect on my core, my vocation. And then, after my high school seminary or minor seminary, I went to major seminary for my philosophical studies and theology. And I became priest in August 15, 2008. Since then, I'm excited that in, in August 15, I would be celebrating 15 years as a Catholic priest. So, what moved you to come to the University of Otago to take part in the Peace and Conflict Studies program? 
yeah, finishing my masters at American University in Washington DC as someone who was pursuing a PhD you look everywhere you can find someone who can be your supervisor who you share with interests in your research so i looked up and i find richard jackson professor richard jackson and i saw his research on peace and conflict studies on terrorism studies and pacifism work and uh, that led me to come down to new zealand from washington dc to new zealand <laughs> so uh that was inspired my journey was inspired by professor richard jackson and uh, encouraged me when i contacted him he encouraged me to come down to university of otago to be part of the center of peace and conflict studies okay how has the recent history of Rwanda with ethnic violence and genocide affected your view of the world quite interesting question uh, i was born in rwanda and uh, i saw i witnessed the horror genocide and killings and massacres and my own family was affected i lost many family members and extended family and growing in such situation my world view changed i saw how human being can go far to lose their humanity and commit extraordinary evil but also i saw what does mean peace peace is not an idea is a reality and that led me to see to realize when there is no peace what does mean without peace there is chaos there is killings and that changed my life and i think it's one of the the motivation which led me to continue for my peace and conflict studies okay well i think if we in our family or friends experience genocide the, the results of it it affects us all our life doesn't it of course no in this is hope of vital necessity for both individuals and societies if we're going to have peace yeah it's really hope is a key as i said for the previous question living in a post genocide society i witness how people in their survival can lose hope the whole society can lose hope both individuals and society can lose hope but that hope as a vital light in their lives can inspire them to dream bigger and to have that moral imagination to think how tomorrow looks like and i believe that with hope no one can dream for bad things that moral imagination helps us to dream and look forward and wonder how our society will look like in a better way without only ideas of thinking about hope but to have like clear actions clear vision uh, 
to put into practice and build our future society. Is um, hope isn't necessarily the idea that tomorrow's going to necessarily be better, is it? Of course. Can, we can have hope even when things seem to be going the, the opposite way. Or the yeah, wrong it's way. what I said about that light yeah. shining in darkness. To say, I'm facing today's struggle, or I am in that situation where I in a hopeless situation, but tomorrow will look better than today. Uh, and the example is to see example of Martin Luther King in his social movements, uh, he sees that his death is nearby and he witnessed people killing and injustice and racism. But still he say, I have a dream. I have a dream. That hope leads us to have a dream for the better. He was an icon of hope. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it is. He was, he was totally sincere, totally real, authentic person. Yeah, I think hope led me to 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 be who I am. Uh, I know some of my generation they lost hope. Some became they killed themselves or they they went on take drugs and whatever. But hope led me to be who I am today. To be here in New Zealand and taking my PhD, becoming a priest. That's what hope made to be. Hope is a struggle sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, hope is not a possession, it's a process. It's ups and downs. Uh, Sometimes you despair, and you have right to be disappointed. You know, people in different societies are disappointed. Disappointed by their leader's behavior. Disappointed by their own relationships. They are disappointed for many things. But still, hope can be the, an engine or lungs which can help them to breathe and hope for the future better. Hope is a vital foundation for, for building, for going forward, isn't it? I mean, we need hope to envision and work for a better world. Yeah, it's what I'm saying. Hope leads us to moral imagination. Here, moral imagination, I mean... In the chaos and society struggle, they can think that better, the world will be better than today, tomorrow will be better than today. But not only idea for hope, but they will, that more imagination will lead them to have practical items, practical actions to build a better world. There are people, I think, like Martin Luther and other people who may may even die, but where they're doing, or if they're working against genocide, or if they're trying to build a humane world, they still have that hope, and the hope goes beyond their lifespan, doesn't it? Yeah, and of course, the hope as a process, we may, like Maritaruka King died <laughs> without even seeing what he was talking about. But until he died, he was seeing how black people would be with the white people, how the society would change. That dream never die. Hope never die. Disappointment can lead us to despair. 
but hope is infinity is infinity what happens when you lose hope it's like you lose your breath it's like you die you die you die because you would be in a helpless situation you, your motivations will die because you are stuck you can't look forward and can lead you to fear fear is one of the fruits from uh, losing hope uh, fear can lead us to kill each other to hate each other can lead us to inaction because we are stuck and we are afraid we are not hoping for the future the better future so losing hope is really it's like a human body without breath do you see the universe as a hopeful place as a place of growth and love both and no <laughs> Yeah, according to the situation we are living in now at the University of Otago, I feel kind of disappointed. Yeah, coming from afar, wishing to build that center of society, of peace builders network, and I was disappointed to see like our center being, you know, yeah. undergo struggles. So. Uh, university can also be hope because we meet many students mm. across the cultures and the languages and different countries can lead us also to discuss and hope together the university is uh, having a difficult time now and i think that even in dealing with something as practical as running a university in order to be brave in order to do the things necessary to build and not and not destroy not unbuild you have to have hope don't of you of course of course it's what we are you need doing experience, you need experience but you need faith in the people you're working with too don't you yeah we need also we're, to we're trust we know it's perfect but we need to have faith in each other too and communicate that faith yeah in order to yeah i think what it is the people to to have mistrust and destroy each other is to lose that faith you know we need also to trust human being is capable to do great work at the same time human being can mess up so and we have to look to in order to not despair it's also to look the positive to build on positive actions positive attitude and then build the hope We can, we can never really consider human beings as a commodity or something to be used and thrown away, can we? Human beings are capable, are capable. When we go back to our humanity, we are capable. And God can also inspire us, you know. God trusts in human beings. God trusts in human capacity. Sometimes we lose our capacity because we are taken and distracted by other things. But our core, our commitment as human beings is to do better. I'm going to play a piece of music now. And 
then we'll come back. Yeah, thank you. folk in Kalimantan You sun cat weavers in Lombok And you who play the gamelan You are not my enemy No matter how different we may be I do not wish you harm I wish you well And you of Isfahan And you who wear the hijab with pride in Kabul or Tehran You are not my enemy No matter how different we may be I do not wish you harm I wish you well From the murdering guns From shattered homes and dreams And you whose nights are haunted By the whistling bombs and the children's screams And you who in your desperation Try to reach this shore And you who just can't take the violence From the terror and a safe journey's end. You are not my enemy. One day, neighbors, we may be, maybe, maybe one day I'll call you friend. Fear and hate are the enemy. Hold on to hope and sanity.
That was Faye White and Friends, These People, This Place, Everyday Grace. I think it's that they're part of a, a religious community. Hmm. And we're talking with Doc Dace, um, Kama, and a Roman Catholic priest from Rwanda about hope. Yeah. So, I'll remind people that you can podcast us by going to oar.org.nz and then going to podcast and then going to Community or Chaos. Um, what happens in societies when they lose hope? Interesting question. When society loses hope, they live on a fear. And uh, society under fear is a society without trust. Neighbors, we don't ever trust each other. Co-workers, we don't ever trust each other. Readers, we don't ever trust their people or people will never trust their readers, they will live in fear and that society is likely to destroy each other, to kill each other, like my own society back home before in 1994. Yeah, people were afraid that their neighbors may kill them or may betray them and then the, the fear lead them to kill their neighbors and their friends and their co-workers. So, a society without hope is a society under fear and a society without trust. And that society is dangerous. Every person is dangerous to another person. So we become unhopeless, hopeless people, and then we are likely to destroy each other. How do we build trust and hope in societies? Because I think we've, that in the last 20 years, we've seen quite a bit of um, societies which we consider stable, not necessarily being as stable as they were, where large minorities of people have felt uh, quite alienated and quite distrustful. How do we restore trust? Yeah, I think... Uh one of the challenge was to say the people when they have elections, democracy, all kind of democratic promises, they will be all right. They will be flourishing society. But it seemed that the, these societies have built on social injustice. When there is a social justice structure, there is an injustice and discrimination, and the people feel unrepresented. This society is, even if seemed to be stable, is not stable because its its motivation is built on injustices. So hope also brings about justice. Without we can we can't talk about hope without justice. Justice when people live in a just society. They have their dues, you know. You, ha you are allowed to work according to your skills. You are 
allowed to attend the school you want according to your knowledge you are allowed to to perform and use your talent to build the society but when you are discriminated when you are not allowed to bring your skills and your talents to be part of the society that society seem to be stable is built on injustice so i think to bring that society to hope and to trust we needed to rebuild broken relationships and then bring a just society social justice is really important to repair society which is likely to lose hope do you think a society with increasing inequality is more likely to become unstable i would not say stable it's kind of <laughs> it's a bomb yeah, yeah. you are like waiting a bomb to crash the the readers may use security agents to to mute people to, to shut down people but a society without justice and society with inequalities is not really stable one day or two years or five years <laughs> the society can crash and the people would wonder what happened but it's underneath the, those inequalities are making people to be unhappy are making people to not trust their readers then the society can destroy itself and people can look that is stable it's not really stable why do you think often political leaders find it difficult to take up the cause of inequality that we find it hard to change and hard to propose change yeah the i think the the whole attitude to politics they are creating like politics as arts of lying the political the politics they will promise something an impossible and practical and they will not be honest to tell the people this is not working this works so i think pretending to do impossible leads uh, <laughs> we lead leaders to be liars so i i think for our leaders need to to promise what is possible to change what is what they are able to change but promising that you will do impossible you will make a miracle uh, they have also to think that they are human they are limited and plan something they can accomplish something they can deliver to their own people when there's been civil unrest or um hostility between groups in a society when there's been trouble have sometimes religious groups have been part of the problem but sometimes they've been part of the part of the solution or part of the rebuilding can we talk about both of those yeah uh, i would talk about it what we have also to know that religion is part of human society and i think it's why those who believe in christianity it's why we celebrate christmas god came 
to be part of our history. Yeah, religion, any religion is made by human beings who can make a mistake, who can belong to any group and be fanatic and drive that negative energy and lead to conflict. But also, these, the same human beings allowing divine will to use them, they are also to build a better society. It's, it's both how we human beings, we embrace religious values. Some people can use religious values in a negative way, if I can say. They will use religion as a weapon. Other people will use religion as driving, uh, as driving energy for building society of peace, of justice, of hope, of faith. And to me, it's the level of our religious life will, will be measured how we put into practice our religious values. I, I believe that there is no religion which may teach people to hate each other. Every religion teaches their fellow to love, to care, to help, to, to support each other. But there is also the narrow idea that a religion can feel better than other religions and lead people in a bad direction to hatred, to division, to segregation, to discrimination, and to racism. Uh, I, what we, we pray for, what we wish and hope for, for religious leaders or religions is to put into practice their principles, their values of love, of hope, of faith, of care for each other and care for all uh, creation of God. When society loses hope and be, people in it become cynical, what does cynicism mean to you and how, how would you describe cynicism and its results? Cynicism is a high disappointment <laughs> to say, oh, we gave up, nothing would happen. Yeah. So uh, cynicism comes when you are only looking at negativity. negativity. So negativity can lead us you know, to be stuck and be cynical, to say nothing would change, nothing would change. Uh, we have to trust, as we said, to trust in human beings. Human beings are dynamics. They are not static. We can look at our own life, the way you were, you were, you was, you were, you, you used to be. Now you are, you are not the same person. So we change. We are transformed by our own experience, by the time we pass through, by the exposure, the people we may meet. Yeah, the, to be cynical is the the highest level of disappointment. And I think it's better to look at something positive. Everything is not evil. There is something, there is some light shining in the darkness. When you build on that positive, you can bring society to have hope. But when you only remain in negativity, the society will end up to disappointment and become cynical. When 
people um, feel they've been betrayed or when the when bad things happen is forgiveness part of overcoming cynicism do we actually when we forgive someone or we forgive a group even it, we don't know if it's going to affect the group or person if we forgive them. we hope it does but it certainly must affect us if we can forgive someone doesn't it is forgiveness necessary to overcome cynicism to overcome tragedy absolutely forgiveness has been my work it's not idea I'm sharing here it's my personal experience forgiveness will benefit both perpetrators and victims here perpetrators each society in a conflict some are looked as perpetrators others looked as victims but reconciliation will benefit both perpetrators being forgiven they will have a new life it's like rise they will rise from darkness they will rise rise from bad life and be and change and be transformed by that reconciliation and forgiveness and uh, victims victims without forgiving their perpetrators they are undergo they are carrying a heavy burden by the time they forgive the time they reconcile with their enemies or their perpetrators they overcome they overcome that pain uh, i had that experience in my pastoral ministry as a priest in rwanda post genocide i met both victims of genocide especially widow widows from genocide and prisoners those folks who committed genocide who were in a prison the widows themselves were able to cook food and bring it to prison to feed their fellow perpetrators that journey led perpetrators to apologize to reveal for what happened and hear the victims too so forgiveness and reconciliation will benefit both parties and forgiveness is not forgetting because it's a part of our history what happened to each and everyone but you can forgive still not forgetting that's important isn't it to recognize what we've done i mean that's one of the things i i think i admire about germany they've recognized the evil they've done and they teach it in the schools mm. and they will live with that knowledge but they don't try to suppress it or pretend it never happened yeah because you can't forget it's it's fact in the history as a pain it is painful it is it's what we are doing in Rwanda actually genocide is extraordinary evil it happened it's part of mm. our society it's a part of our history it's how do we prepare for the new generation to embrace and accept the his- painful history and say never again yeah and the reconciliation is also uh, reconciliation is a focus and a locus is a place and a, and a focus 
reconciliation brings all these conflict values hope justice peace Uh, forgiveness reconcili- uh, um, peace love all these values will have a place in reconciliation in a, in a place called reconciliation where justice and peace can meet truth and mercy can kiss so all these co- values will happen will be real will be practical when reconciliation is helping them to be realized I remember um, during the refugee crisis from Syria and Europe when the Chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel, opened her borders wider than most European countries. And I'm sure part of what it, she did it for was because of her own history, her own acknowledgement of the past and making her more uh, open and more um accountable yeah it's uh it's critical to have such painful experience and painful past i think german attitude it's a, it's it's like recurring back where germany was And I think the journey German did is, you know, from being named as evil, as perpetrators, as, and then changing to become a welcoming country. It's what I was talking about, dynamics. So the country, society is dynamic. If someone who knew German during the Holocaust and now German today, it happens a huge change. Yeah, it doesn't matter how our society has been in darkness on trials or killings or genocide like mine, but the change can happen. The change can happen. Society can change for the better. Do you have spiritual or psychological practices which engender and helps keep hope alive in your life? I do. As a Catholic priest, the first is my prayer, the Mass I do, because the Mass means commemoration. Commemoration. When we do Mass, we remember Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, and we hope His coming to the end of the time. So that brings hope. The Mass as a prayer is a practice of hope. And then the second is to reflect on my personal small victories. Mm. Yeah. To to recall when I was 10, when I was 15, when I was 20, when I was and then say oh comparing to where I came from and my past trials and tough life I think it's possible. What happened yesterday it shows me that tomorrow is possible yeah the exercise like to do exercise and see something positive celebrating your small victories in your life will lead you to dream mm-hmm. for the better to, to dream bigger uh, so those are two main things in my life uh, prayer 
as a priest, saying mass is important. And the community, of course, when I'm saying mass, I'm reading mm. the community's spiritual life. I trust that community. Yeah. Would you encourage every religious person, whether they're Christian, Buddhist, or Muslim, or whatever, to, to find a religious practice that they can work on during the week, whether something to do with prayer? But people pray differently, of course. Yeah. But isn't that important to, to keep a, our religion real? Isn't it important to, to, to practice? Yeah, our religion is part of our lives, and uh, prayer is defined as dialogue, conversation like we do now. <laughs> the conversation we do, and we do with God. So prayer means I'm struggling, I would tell God, you know what, I'm struggling. I'm unhappy in this situation, I say, God, I'm so happy. I'm um, seeing a situation where I'm, I feel disappointed. I will say, God, what are you doing? Something's happening. Come on our help. So prayer is that conversation we have with our God in, it, in, in faith and hope and, and love to say that God is around me. He can support me and support my country, my society in any circumstances. And I really encourage all religious believers across different faith and communities to really have time for prayer and the prayer will give them hope and they will in turn help their societies to have hope and grow. Well, I'm going to play another song first and we'll continue. Yeah, so thank you. could use a little mercy now The fruits of his labor falling right slowly on the ground His work is almost over Won't be long He won't be around I love my father He could use some mercy now And my brother He could use a little mercy now He's a stranger to freedom Shackled to fear and doubt The pain that he lives in It's almost more than living will allow I love 
my brother He could use some mercy My church and my country They could use a little mercy now As they sink into a poison pit It's gonna take forever to climb out They carry the weight of the faithful Follow them down I love my church and country They could use some mercy now Every living thing Could use a little mercy now That was Mary Guther um, singing about mercy. We're talking with Didas Kamano, Kamano, a Catholic priest who grew up in Rwanda, and we're talking about hope. What happens when people feel bypassed, unrepresented, and perhaps held in contempt? It feels to me like contempt has been a, a more common practice lately that we often hold the people that we disagree with strongly in contempt. doesn't mean we're wrong. doesn't mean they're right. But what happens when we hold people in contempt? Yeah, it's uh, 
I think the it's a whole idea of losing hope. Uh, the people feel underrepresented, they lose hope. And uh, they can use any mean to be hard. It's mm. so been like common practice when um, um, I have this, this, this sentiment I would show that I'm unhappy and and have this contempt, you know, the people having not trusting each other, look at each other down or consider them their enemies. It's it's a general attitude. It's a, it's a general resentment. Yeah, to me, well, what hope brings about is to say it's not him, it's not her. It's a whole structural society, you know, an unjust structure. Actually, your, your neighbor is not your enemy, or your cook is not your enemy. What makes the situation to be as it is, it's it's because of structure or institution structure. So, and and the resentment, someone would express to each other, sometimes becomes irrational. Who is benefiting from a division? Who is benefiting from injustice? Maybe an institution. Maybe someone who is not your coworker. Maybe someone who is not your neighbor. Or your classmate, but still you are against your neighbor. Yeah, it's it's also to go deep and tackle and see where the problem is really, rather than looking at symptoms. With society is facing change, no matter what we think or what we'd like, society is going to change most places because of, if nothing else, because of climate change, which is coming. I mean, we never thought we'd, I think most New Zealanders never thought they would see um, floods or, or hurricanes in New Zealand because they've never seen them before. But that didn't stop it from happening. So, building up trust and hope in each other and in life or God or the universe, it, it seems to me even more important if you know change is going to happen. You can't avoid change by not wanting it or saying it's not going to happen, but you can, you can have some say on how you face change, can't you? Yeah, it's what we say, change. If you don't change, the change will change you. <laughs> the the world is changing. Not only climate change, but the whole wars, war in Syria or in Iraq or across Africa. There have been mass migration, refugees crisis, and migration also caused by climate change. So all these changes, to me, we have also to look at these changes as an opportunity, an opportunities. So 
the people are migrating from different place to another place, may bring an opportunity, may bring that exposure to people connections and and also these disasters and caused by climate change will help us also to think of what can be done. Yeah, changes happening in a different way will help a human being to have that moral imagination, to hope, to say, you know what, I see what is going on, but how the future looks like, to, to look in a better way, in a positive way, how these changes can lead to something positive. Well, that's a, a good place to, I think, um, um, start thinking about how we end the discussion. What are your hopes? My hope is that the world will be a better place to live. And I hope in human beings to think and be able to come back to their mission. What is God is calling me to do? Who God is calling me to be? To use my humanity and be capable to do my commitment, to, my, to do my mission, my call in this world. No matter how, no matter how, how many years I will live, but to do what I'm supposed to do, to be who I'm called to be. Well, thank you very much for sharing with us. Thank we you, really appreciate Marvin. it. Thank you, Marvin, for your time and for inviting me. Thank you. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.